Okay, today we are talking about the authority we as Christians have been given to make disciples. I'm Andy Ziesmer, and this is On Mission, a podcast we release every Friday talking about how we live out the mission of Jesus in our daily lives. In 2020, I released a book called Our Mission in Christ, Becoming People Who Will Change the World. Pretty much the entire first half of the book is surrounding this idea, that we've actually been given the authority to change the world. God has entrusted us, broken, fragile humanity, to be declaring the gospel to the world. If you'd like a copy of that book, then click on the link in the show notes. If you already have it, leave a comment letting me know. I'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, A lot of today's conversation is actually pulled from what I wrote in that book about understanding the mission of Christ. If you're a Christian who believes in the Bible, has faith that God is real, and that Jesus paid the price for our sins, then this authority already belongs to you. You need to be assured of that and confidently live it out. As people who have been assured of the authority of the commands from Jesus, we really should just look at the command itself as the way we live out our daily life. In reality, this directive from Jesus is not something we need to overthink <laughs> because it's it has a one word answer go in Matthew 28 he says go therefore and make disciples in Mark 16 Jesus says go into all the world in John 20 he says as the father has sent me i also send you i'm not making these things up these are simply the words of Jesus as christians we believe the command of Jesus is living and active and it's for today not just history but it's for today because his voice is living and active The command itself never dies as it will continue unchanged until Christ's return, both for us individually and for the rest of humanity as we know it. Our job is simply to obey. So why do we go? Why do we open our mouths to tell others? Well, we speak good news because it's worth speaking. The entire global news industry has been built around the sole task of telling the world what is happening. So if we have this vital bit of information, if we understand God's plan for the redemption of the world and that it's, it's, it's saving broken people who are being redeemed by Jesus, we, we should declare this redemption to those around us. Active gospel declaration requires you to speak. If you agree with this idea, then leave a comment or hit me up on Twitter because I'd love to keep talking about this with you. Here's what I've seen in my travels throughout the church and through the world. People quite often point to John 13, 35 as a way to make excuses for keeping their mouth shut. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Yes, love is the uh, attestation of a changed life. It's the evidence. Love should be the overflowing reaction in our changed lives. However, Paul makes it really clear in Romans 10 that no one will call on him whom they've not believed. Nobody will believe anything about someone who they've never heard, and nobody hears without somebody speaking. And we clearly know that nobody preaches unless they're sent. So some authoritative power must, in fact, be doing that sending. When Paul works this thought backwards, (laughs) we see that if anyone is going to believe, they must hear. And you and I are charged with the task of opening our mouth. Go into all the world requires action and intentionality. Today, I want to look at a a few things that are a part of the Great Commission, Uh, things that we must undertake together if we're not only to be obedient, but to see gospel-invoked change occurring in this temporary world we live in. Our first task is belief. It's in that that we're saved, guys. All of these other tasks that we can do follow the transformation of our heart from unbelief to belief. 
The disciples were eager to do tasks and things and call them the works of God. But Jesus simplified it when he said this, believe. In John 6, uh, verse 28 through 29, Jesus had a conversation with his disciples that went something like this. They asked, what can we do to perform the works of God? Jesus replied, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. Straight from Jesus' mouth, we're told to start with belief. It's so simple, and yet it's the part that stops so many. Faith is what transforms us and allows true relationship with God. Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Our belief in itself is a transforming thing. I really believe this, guys, that no other piece of living out uh, the mission of Jesus can occur until this part has. Many people aim to do good works, hoping it will accomplish for them the restitution of their souls and (laughs) that they'll be saved by what they're doing. In fact, most of the world's religions are centered around this very thing. But this simply does not work. No work or action we can undertake will restore our relationship with God. Solely Jesus has that power. Many believers I've met have spent their lives doing good things while missing out on the whole point. Relationship with Jesus glorifies God by bringing us back to him. We see this exemplified when people came to Jesus saying they've been doing works in his name, casting out demons, healing people. Jesus literally looks at them and says, I never knew you. Dang, that would have been sad to hear. To live your life wasting your efforts and time on a pointless attempt at perfection only to hear those words. Guys, we're only made perfect in Jesus. All of these things which Jesus commands of us in the Great Commission can only occur after belief after we've entered into a healthy, restored, and God-glorifying relationship with himself through Jesus. I want to talk today about one of these specific commands from Jesus. He says, make disciples. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 is probably one of the most quoted, discussed, and famous Great Commission, ver- Great Commission verses. <laughs> That's hard to say. This is for good reason because it explicit, it's explicitly clear on the next step. After Jesus commands us to go, the first task he gives us is that making disciples of all nations. That's the commandment. Go and make disciples of all nations. Discipleship, though, seems to be one of the most commonly spoken words in organized church, yet I fear it's frequently the command that we're least intentional with, especially as everyday believers just living out our lives and our day-to-day jobs. We tend to leave the task of discipleship to the local church and hope that it just churns out piles of new Bible-believing Christians. If we are truly going to be obedient to the biblical commands and see our Christian communities grow in healthy ways, then we, all of us who are believers, need to become more diligent in this very specific area. Without true intentional engagement, we will too easily drop the ball on this one. Guys, it makes sense that it's so often overlooked or skipped because it's, when it's done right, if it's, if it's done right, it comes at an incredibly high personal cost. Literally hundreds of books have been published on this topic, on the topic of discipleship, with detailed, long-winded instruction on how to curate the perfect disciple. (laughs) Yet still, so many believers are lacking the true spiritual depth that comes from this process. Why is that? How can we have hundreds of books that describe the process for us in such great detail and thousands upon thousands of churches across the world teaching the Bible and yet so many believers remain in spiritual infancy? Maybe 
We're just overcomplicating it. <laughs> I'm not saying these books are bad. In fact, if you've got a good one to recommend, leave it in the comments. <laughs> what I do want to say though is this, it goes way beyond reading about it. The commandment to make disciples will cost you your time, your energy, and probably your money. <laughs> no person I've ever known <laughs> has been discipled without the heavy investment of time and deep relationship. What's hardest for me sometimes, honestly, is realizing that we're to pay this cost even when those we invest into seem not to care or are even ungrateful. <laughs> it's so easy. It's easy for us to just write people off and think they don't care. They're not growing fast enough or they've moved on to literally, maybe they've moved on themselves to a different city or state, or maybe they've just moved on in their lives and they don't seem to care. But I'm challenged by how Jesus did this. Jesus really set the pace and the example for this throughout his short life on earth because Jesus spoke aloud to thousands and yet lived alongside only a few every single day. Over his lifetime, he ministered to countless numbers of people as he traveled from city to city, from city to city. <laughs> However, those he traveled with had a much closer perspective on who he was and how he lived out his life. I think that those are the types of disciples. Yeah, those are the types of disciples we should be making. The kind we're learning to follow Jesus with every single day, the ones that are close to us. When we know a person who's decided to follow Christ, we can't just hope that a local church pastor is going to scoop them up, invite them into their home, and begin engaging them in discipleship. I want to challenge you guys, if you're a part of somebody's life and you have the capacity and understanding with which to begin the process of discipleship, then it's officially your commission to invite them over. It's your opportunity to invest into them. Spiritually maturing people will be continually pointing each other towards Jesus. That's how the disciples were made and how they are made. So don't sit around waiting, guys. Start investing into the people near you. Sometimes as I'm traveling, I get asked how we do discipleship in this new modern world we live in. <laughs> Everything has changed. Times have changed. Tools have changed. How, does that affect the way we do discipleship? I would argue that there is neither an antiquated version nor a relevant model of discipleship. There's simply just discipleship. <laughs> if you're using a unique tool to share the gospel or do discipleship, leave a comment and tell me about it. I, I love hearing the different ways people approach this. But I think that while the tools we have available to communicate and work together change weekly, being an effective disciple maker is not accomplished in the way you use technology. Yes, we can and should use these tools to accomplish this. And if you have tools that are pushing you forward in this, then by all means use them. But I still believe that disciples are made the same way today that they were made during the life of Jesus in close proximity and deep relationship. It's in the depth of relationship that we encounter conflict. <laughs> it's in the, the tasks we undertake together that we're given the chance to show what it means to follow Jesus rather than to just talk about how to do it one day a week. It's in the moments of grief that we share together that we affirm our eternal perspective and our hope in Jesus Christ. A person living out the mission of Christ will do as Christ did. Bring a few people close, live out their life alongside them, bear with them in love and patience, and teach them all that Jesus has commanded us. Then as seasons change in their life and people come and go, they'll begin the process over again. <laughs> a person who's changing the world through effective discipleship will repeat this process in literally every new context they end up in. They won't fear when a person chooses to move or they have to move or leave town. <laughs> if you're a believer, then I want to challenge you. Until the day you die, you are to be engaged in the work of discipleship. When we dig into the gospel accounts of Jesus's life, we begin to see the approach and method he used to create healthy disciples. 
He called them. He taught them. He involved them. He pointed them to God. He set them apart and he sent them. Next week, I'm going to dig into how Jesus did this a bit more and how he taught them to have a right perspective of God, how he taught them to have a right perspective of his own words, and how he taught them the way to the Father. Jesus sent his disciples. He set them apart and he sent them out. His mission has become ours now. (laughs) And so we need to be engaged in this. We're not only invited to be a part of it, but we're commanded to do it. I invite you to consider subscribing to this channel so you don't miss the next part of the conversation because next week I'm going to go way deeper than just this one thing. Or I'm going to go deeper on some of these topics. Uh, You can also find my book, Our Mission in Christ, on Amazon or ajmpublishing.org. I'll put links in the show notes if you want to go deeper in that. I also want to invite you to join us on a Jesus mission. A Jesus mission helps prepare and send out missionaries to go to the field, supporting them as they live out God's call wherever they are, really. And one of the ways we do this is by sending people out on short-term missions trips. We see enormous value in having our perspectives changed by the things we see when we go on mission. Last week, I sat down with Craig Finley, who leads our short-term trips, to discuss how and why we invest our time into these trips. And I think you're going to love that conversation. Here's a quick clip from that. I began my um, post-high school life doing music like you did. And... uh, one of the things that we saw a lot of is that we wanted to uh, be essentially missionaries mm-hmm. ourselves, but we were going from place to place and, and coming alongside people. So I really got a hold of the idea and saw the utility of that, mm-hmm. that, that there is a place for people to come alongside and, and do specialized types of things. So when I became a youth pastor, um, I thought that was a short-term gig, that I was going to be doing this for <laughs> like two couple of years. And yeah. then enlist in doing missions. So my heart has always been for missions. And so it began to express itself through these short term. And I I did experience that dilemma of uh, even myself knowing and feeling uh, that are short term trips worth it? Mm -hmm. There's a cost element. There's uh, just the occupation of the church's focus Mm -hmm. to be able to send kids on trips like this. What I was just seeing, I, I look at, I'm, you can't see it right now, I'm in, I'm in a production room and there's several people here who are manning things <laughs> who are all deeply affected by mission trips. Yeah. The, pa- the staff of this church that this is being housed in, all of them, I've brought these, these people on mission trips. All the missionaries that I know, they're full-time missionaries, started with short-term trips. If you'd like to see the entire 30-minute conversation, we're releasing it this Monday, January 2nd, 2023, on People Who Will Change the World. It's another weekly show from A Jesus Mission where I uh, try and introduce you to as many of the people we know who are doing what this podcast is all about. They're living on mission. Go subscribe to youtube.com slash Mission. There you'll be able to see that entire conversation with Craig Finley. And you can also see some other stuff like our last film, a documentary we released back in August called Into Ukraine, a story of being the church in a war zone, and tons of other content about how we're living out the mission of Jesus. I'm Andy Ziesmer. Thanks for taking the time to listen this week, and I'll see you next Friday.